0: Hi, this is Sandy, and you're listening to Word of Hope Christian Church in New Brunsville, Texas. Hi, everybody, and welcome once again. I'm Pastor Tim with Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas, and it is a joy to be with you today. It is Sunday, the 16th of October, and welcome to the final sermon in our series, God Goes to War. It seems like just yesterday that we started, but it's actually been eight weeks ago. And I told you then we were going on an epic journey through the book of Revelation. Nine weeks to cover 22 chapters, and we are going to complete that today. It's been an amazing journey, but it's not over just yet. There's one last sermon I've got to preach, and it's titled, Heaven Will Not Be Boring, and we'll be looking at Revelation chapter 21, verse 1, all the way through chapter 22, verse 6. Folks, heaven is a wonderful promise, but there are those who think that it's going to be boring and tedious. They're wrong, of course, but do you know why? But we'll find out momentarily, but before we do, let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for the amazing privilege we have to once again hear from your word. Lord, teach us as we wrap up this journey through Revelation about heaven and about what it's going to be like and how we can get there. We thank you for all of this in your mighty name and everyone said, Amen. There's a lot of preachers who won't preach through the whole book of Revelation. I've been in full-time ministry for 18 years, and this is only the second time that I've preached through Revelation. The first time was nine years ago. In other words, it took me nine years after I started in ministry to preach through Revelation. Why did it take me so long? Well, like a lot of preachers, I didn't believe I could. I thought it was a confusing book, and I didn't want to get things wrong and mess something up. A few weeks ago, one of our church members came up to me and asked my opinion on the four horses of the apocalypse. I preached on that in Revelation 6, four weeks ago, but didn't deal with them specifically. I looked at them for a moment and I said, Well, contrary to what might be popular opinion, I really don't know everything. And folks, I don't. And neither do a lot of popular teachers of prophecy who are all over the airwaves in the bookstores. If these folks tell you that they know much of what they teach for certain... They're pulling your chain, in my opinion. As I've preached my way through this series, I've tried to focus on the things I know for certain from Scripture. And one of the important things I know is this. Jesus is coming back. Can you say that with me? Jesus is coming back, indeed. And when he comes back, he'll set everything right and he'll take us to be where he is. He'll take us to heaven. So I want to take a moment and sing about that. This is a beautiful hymn of faith. I'm sure many of you will know it. Come sing along with me. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus. Sing his mercy and his grace. In the mansions, bright and blessed, he'll prepare for us a place. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all... See Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Amen. Yes, we will. That's what we'll be looking forward to. That's what we're all going to be looking forward to getting to heaven, seeing Jesus. There'll be nothing on earth that can compare with all of that. But not everyone believes that. Mark Twain was a noted humorist and atheist in his day and didn't think much of heaven. Here's a few quotes of his on the subject there is no humor in heaven, he said. There is no God, no universe, no human race, no earthly life, no heaven, no hell, he said. Go to heaven for the climate, hell for the company, he said. Now that's what you'd expect an atheist to say, but there are religious people that have had their doubts about how wonderful heaven might be. Bill Hybels, former senior pastor of Willow Creek Community Church in Illinois, once said one of his earliest memories was being in a child's choir or children's choir at church. They dressed up in robes, stood on risers, and practiced a lot. As a child, he hated almost every minute of it. He hated putting that robe on, and he hated having to stand still for so long. He said, quote, to make matters even worse, the choir director told me, if you don't like singing in the choir, you're not going to enjoy heaven. So as a child, I thought of heaven as putting on a choir robe and standing on a riser and singing for all eternity. So I wasn't really all that excited about going to heaven." Now, is that really what heaven's going to be like? Well, kinda. I mean, there's going to be singing. Back in Revelation chapter 14, verses two and three, we read, and I heard a sound from heaven like the roar of mighty ocean waves or the rolling of loud thunder. It was like the sound of many harpists playing together. This great choir sang a wonderful new song in front of the throne of God and before the four living beings and the 24 elders. Now I can get into that. I like to sing. Bet y'all didn't know that. I mean, for those of you who know me, duh. For me, there's just something truly satisfying about singing. I love to sing harmonies and counter melodies and I love to throw in a little improvisation now and again. And I especially love to sing when I know the words. But now, what if you can't sing? Well, I've noticed that even folks who don't really sing really do like to sing. They just don't like to sing solo, unless they're so low you can't hear them. (laughs) I have found that most folks sing in the shower or in the car, or they have a favorite group of songs that they'll hum or sing mostly when no one else is around. But here's the cool part. I'm convinced that in heaven, everybody is going to be able to sing. Consider this passage from 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 to 53. It says, But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. You know what that's saying? It's saying that when you get to heaven, you're gonna have a perfect body. You won't have a thing wrong with your body, including your voice, that's right. You're gonna be able to sing. And I'm also convinced that when we get to heaven, we'll know all the words and the notes. We won't have to spend long hours learning new songs or reading them out of a book or off a screen. And I don't think anybody will mind if you harmonize or play around with songs. No one will care because everyone will be so focused on singing God's praises. The story is told of a missionary work amongst the Cole Indians in southern Mexico. The work lasted for years, but it ultimately resulted in a thriving church of 12,000 believers. What's interesting is that when the missionaries came, the Cole Indians didn't know how to sing, but when they fell in love with Jesus, the believers in the tribe became known as the singers. One of the missionaries noted, They love to sing now because they have something to sing about. Indeed, they do. When we get to heaven, we will definitely have a reason to sing. And we will enjoy singing so much that it will seem almost unnatural not to. So singing will be more fun in heaven than anything you can do right now here on earth. But there are people out there who are not convinced of that. They maintain that heaven's going to be boring. A lot of times the folks that say that are just people that hate God or hate the church. But their argument is that heaven will be just the same old thing over and over again. It becomes drudgery and it will get old and tedious. Have you ever heard a kid say, I'm bored. I am so bored. I'm bored, 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 bored. And what's the next thing they say? There's nothing to do. Well, of course there's something to do. They could wash the dishes, sweep the floor, go clean their room. There's all kinds of things to do, but that's not what they mean, is it? They're saying they want to do something exciting, something different, something that will catch their attention and keep them entertained. They don't want to do the same old things. They want something new. Well, look at our text, Revelation 21, verse 1. John said, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And in verse 5, And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. You see, it's all going to be new and different in heaven. It's going to be a place of excitement and pleasure. It's going to be fun. And if to drive that fact home, God uses imagery that everybody identifies with, a wedding. No matter what culture or country you go to, everybody enjoys weddings. Now, in our culture, a wedding can take up most of the day. There's the ceremony followed by a reception, which can last for several hours. But back in the days of Jesus, Wedding celebrations could last for days. There was food, drink, singing, and dancing. Everyone had a good time, and it was the social event of any town in Israel. Last March, I had the privilege of officiating a wedding in north-central San Antonio. There was a ceremony, of course, but then there was a reception, and it was lots of fun. There was lots of food and drink and music, lots of people fellowshipping, and the music that was being played, most everybody knew. There were lots of singing and laughing. Most of all, there was lots of dancing. Everybody was having a great time. That's the imagery God used to describe heaven. Then there was something else God used to describe heaven. Look at our text, Revelation 21, verses 18 and 19. He tells us, The wall was made of jasper. The city was pure gold, as clear as glass. The wall of the city was built on foundation stones inlaid with 12 precious stones. The first was jasper. The second sapphire. The third, agate. The fourth, emerald. Everything in heaven speaks of elegance and beauty. In 1996, I had the privilege of traveling to Israel with a musical group called the Encore Continentals. It was primarily to perform multiple musical programs over a 10-day period there. But there was still personal time, and I can tell you it was one of the greatest experiences of my life. Every day we traveled to places like Galilee, Jerusalem, Nazareth, and Capernaum to see the sights. I walked up the switchback path to the top of Herod's mountain fortress called Matsada or Masada. I walked down the path of the Mount of Olives to the place where Jesus is said to have stopped and wept over Jerusalem. I visited the Garden of Gethsemane and experienced communion like I never had before. I touched what they say is the top of the hill where Jesus was crucified inside the Church of the Holy Sepulchre on the second floor. And I looked into the tomb where they say Jesus laid. I saw things I'd never seen before. I tasted food I'd never had before. There was an adventure around every corner. When the day was done, we were tired, but we always headed home to our hotel. The last day of our trip was exhausting. We had just sang a concert in the oldest Protestant church in Jerusalem. We packed up all our gear and headed back to the hotel. All I wanted to do was get into my room, take a long hot shower and go to bed. I remember opening the door to the room and within minutes, I stepped into that shower, turned it on and it was glorious. The shower felt like I was standing in a heavy spring rain, but it was nice and hot. I wanted to stand there quite literally for hours. Next morning at breakfast, they had all kinds of food set out for us, but the one thing that caught my attention was this comb of honey on a spit. You could cut off a portion of it and eat it with your meal. I'd never had honey on the comb before. It was great. My point is, this is just an inkling of what heaven's going to be like. Heaven will not and I say again, will not be boring. It will be an adventure like nothing you've ever experienced. In Psalm 37, 4, God promises, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. And in 2 Samuel 12:8, God recites to David all the things he had blessed him with, and then said, and if that had not been enough, I would have given you much, much more. If those are God's kinds of promises to us here on earth, I'm convinced they'll even be more so in heaven. Heaven is going to be a wonderful place. In fact, there's a little chorus that says this. It's perfect for this moment. Heaven is a wonderful place filled with glory and grace. I want to see my Savior's face for heaven is a wonderful place. I want to go there. Yes, I do. I hope you do too. Now, one last thought. Back to our text, Revelation 21 verses 3 and 4. It tells us, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Humorist Richard Armour took this promise and composed a poem that goes like this. No dust, no rust, no rats, no rot, no ruckus, rock, no potent pot. All tell the truth state-only facts, no wars, no debts, no income tax, no growing old with weakened sight, no dentures slipping when you bite, no bombs, no guns, no courts, no jails, where all succeed and no one fails. According to this dream of mine, in heaven no one stands in line, and there are only smiling faces, and lots and lots of parking places. Someone else saw this in a more serious vein, there's a true story of a missionary who was teaching in the West African Bible College of Lagos, Nigeria. One of the lessons they came across was from 1 Thessalonians 4:16, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout. One of the students asked, what will he say when he shouts? The teacher said the question took him by surprise and for some reason his mind began to wander back to the things he'd seen in Africa. He just had a good friend arrested by the authorities who'd been tortured for no reason. He'd recalled the way poverty destroyed dignity and how he was haunted by the vacant eyes of people who had lost all hope. He was so lost in thought that he was surprised to hear the student say, You've not given me an answer. What will he shout? The teacher paused and then said, Enough. He will shout, Enough, when he returns. A look of surprise came on the face of the student. What do you mean, Enough? he asked. Enough suffering." enough starvation, enough terror, enough death, enough indignity, enough lives trapped in hopelessness, enough sickness and disease, enough time, enough. As American Christians, we've got it pretty good. The idea of struggling for most of us is when our car won't start or when our home air conditioning system goes out. In many countries of the world, just a car that would start, sometimes even, is considered a blessing. And as Christians, we've been taught to be grateful for all of God's blessings. Philippians 4.1 tells us to rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And when we do that, the result is that Philippians 4.7, the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. But even the best of us can get down. Even the most grateful will have times when they struggle and hurt and feel pain and cry. That's why God stresses so strongly that in heaven there'll be no more hurting, no more struggle, no more mourning, crying, or pain. In heaven, everything will be all right again. It will be a safe place, a place of peace and joy and contentment. It will be a place where all the loved ones who have died in Christ will be there to meet us. A famous preacher by the name of W.A. Criswell Told of being on an airplane flight beside a well known theologian and professor that he respected. They got acquainted and talked for a while. Then this man told Criswell that his young son had recently died. Criswell listened as he told his story. He said his boy had come home from school with a fever, and they thought it was just one of those childhood things, but it was a very virulent form of meningitis. The doctor said, We can't save your boy, he'll die. So the father sat down by his son's hospital bed and never left his side. It was the middle of the day and the little boy was getting weaker, his vision and brain getting more clouded. The little boy said, Daddy, it's getting dark, isn't it? The professor said to his son, yes, son, it's getting dark, very dark. Of course, it was very dark for him. A short while later, his son said, Daddy, I guess it's time for me to go to sleep, isn't it? He said, yes, son, it's time for you to go to sleep. The professor said his son had a way of fixing his pillow just so, and putting his head on his hands when he slept. And that's what he did that day. He fixed his pillow just like that and laid his head on his hands. And he said, good night, daddy. I'll see you in the morning. Then he closed his eyes and stepped over into heaven. Criswell said the professor didn't say anything for a long time after that. He just looked out the window of the airplane. When he turned back, he had tears coming down his cheeks. And he said, Mr. Criswell, I can hardly wait till the morning. Folks, that's the message from Scripture. That's the message from Revelation. And that message is, there will come a morning when all the dead in Christ will rise. There will come a morning when there'll be no more crying, no more pain, no more sorrow. There'll come a morning when all that is wrong in life will be made right. And that is the morning we need to yearn for. That is the morning we can hardly wait for. But you can't claim that promise if you don't belong to Jesus Christ. So as I close out this sermon series on Revelation, I'm asking, how about you, my friend? Can you lay claim to the promises that I just spoke about? Can you lay claim to the assurance that when you die, you'll go to heaven? If you can't, then this moment is for you. Please hear me. It's your invitation to come to Jesus Christ today, to come and surrender your life to his, to be buried with Christ in baptism and raised up a brand new creation. If that's you, then come to the Savior right now. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for another encouraging message from God's Word. To find out more about our ministry, look us up on the web at www.whccnb.org. Word of Hope Christian Church. Real people. A real God. Real hope.